chapter 3, verse 1. Title of today's message, and boy, if it isn't proper at this time, incredible love. I want to read this to you out of the Amplified, although out of the Passion Translation is pretty wonderful as well. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, bestowed upon us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God, and so we are. Today, I want to just, last week we talked, we shared a message entitled, Being Surprised by the Love of God. And I want to continue on that, because here's, here's what I want to say to you. Of all the things that we can know about God, right? Understand His love. Give yourself to knowing the love of God, because if you don't know the love of God, your doctrine is dangerous. Do you hear what I just said? If you don't know the love of God, you might have a Ph.D. in doctrine, but you're just dangerous as all you are. Because it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the philosophy and the doctrine of the Pharisee that demands perfection and is intolerant. But the basis of everything God does, in fact, the Bible says faith works by love. And it's love that casts out all fear. It's not a greater understanding of the Greek or the Hebrew. It's, it's not having deep intellectual wells from which you dig up impressive words. It's, it's an understanding of the love of God, for we have come to know and have believed the love that God has for us. I, I, I believe with my whole heart that the single greatest revelation that any of us can have, we've been talking about heaven for weeks, but a greater revelation than heaven is a revelation, God loves me. Me. God loves me. See, some of you don't know God loves you. You, you may understand that God loves people. But you need to know, and when I say no, I'm talking knowing. Deep, deep, down, down, that God loves you. Because when you know that God loves you, where love is known, faith is grown. You cannot have strong faith without, without a foundation that God loves you. Because, see, faith is bold. Faith is not timid. But if you don't know that God unconditionally and proactively loves you, you will always be timid in life. But when you know that God loves you, you become bold because you know that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's facing you, God, the creator of all that exists, the father of heaven, loves me. Yes. It's an incredible love. And the fact that we are saved, called the children of God, what John is saying is behold this marvelous love. Yes. That he came to you, listen, when you were an enemy of his. He extended his love towards you when you wanted nothing to do with him. In fact, the King James uses the word enmity. We were at enmity with God in our minds. That word enmity, we don't throw it around much anymore, but it literally means to be proactively hostile. It means I go out of my way to rebel against God. I'm an enemy of his in my soul. If he says don't, I do. Why do I do it? Because he said don't. And it was while I was in that state, he loved me. Right. 
He loved me enough to send His only Son. And we, you and I ought never lose sight of the fact, and this is a reality of the gospel and the depth of God's love. If you and you alone were the only sinner on the planet, the only rebel, do you really appreciate the fact Jesus Christ would have still did what He did just for you? His love for you as an individual was that great. Had you been the only one, had Jimmy H. Miller been the only sinner and the rest of you saints, he would have still died for me. Behold, what a marvelous and outstanding love. Everyone say incredible love. This love, listen, love is often referred or used as a word to describe a feeling. This is the reason why the Bible says we need to study to show ourselves approved. Because not all words are the same. Right? God loves me. I love cherry pie. Is that the same kind of love? No. Because, see, I don't really love cherry pie. I love the feeling I get when I eat cherry pie. I don't love the after effects. But I love the feeling. Right? And a lot of times when we say we love one another, what we're saying is I love the feeling I get when you compliment me. I love you. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. But when they stop saying it, you stop loving. Right. That's not the way with God. His, his love is not based on a feeling or an emotion. It's a force. It's a power. It's really, this is the reason why John said God is love. Because love isn't a feeling, it's a person, it's a power, it's a force, and it's the most powerful force in the universe. Yes. In fact, the Bible says only of love that it never fails. Yes. That's the only thing the Bible says will never fail, love. And love has benefits, and it has blessings. Everyone say benefits, benefits. and blessings. And that's what I'm, gonna, I'm not talking to you today about cherry pie love. Though those of you who have been here long enough will remember I did preach a sermon one time called cherry pie love. Only to be outdone by lemon meringue love. But this love is about benefits. There's benefits to being loved. When you know that you're loved, there are benefits that come your way. When, when you know that you are loved, there are blessings that flow unceasingly towards you. Like unending waves. We just left the beaches of Panama City, and I told Deborah, I said, you know what one of the most beautiful sounds in the world is? It's the waves constantly crashing against the shore. I just love that sound. And, and if you'll allow me to play with it a little bit, I love the sound of blessings constantly washing up upon the shore of our lives. One wave after another wave. One wave after another. You can hear the crashing of God's blessings upon your life. And it's never just one wave. It's one after another, after another, and after another. Because His love is more endless than the waves of the ocean. It's an incredible, incredible love. And listen to this. Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. You know it, you've heard it before a thousand times. For God so loved the world that He gave. And I want to stop right there. Here's something you need to understand. God's love for you requires that He moves toward you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you get that? Yes, sir. God's love, see, this is, this is one of the benefits of knowing that you're loved. You know that God cannot ignore you. God cannot forget you. God cannot leave you in pain 
Your friends may forget you. Your brothers may abandon you. But he said he would never leave you, nor would he forsake you, because his love will not permit him to leave you. His love requires that he move toward you. For God so loved that he became proactive. The love of God is not reactive. See, that's, the religious always interpret it that God is reactive. But faith is reactive. Our faith reacts to what he's already done. God is proactive. His love requires that he moves toward us. To appreciate, listen to this, to appreciate the immensity of God's love for you, you must Consider the immensity of man's rebellion against God. All sin is rebellion. It's not just a choice. You understand that, right? Sin is rebellion. It's treason. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God said, But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely eat die see God as a king he's both a father and creator and king and as a king his word is law when we break that law we call it sin and you see I grew up Catholic and in the Catholic world we got different levels of sin right we and I don't remember what they were anymore but we got high level sin that's what you didn't do then you got low level sin that's what you dabbled in I was a good dabbler I dabbled in a lot of it But I just didn't want to do the high end because I figured I'd put my time into purgatory and eventually I'd get out of jail. But sin is sin. Mm -hmm. There ain't no high level sin and low level sin. In fact, you know, the Bible labels, it puts liars right there with homosexuals. And in the church, we're always quick to label homosexuality. What about lying? What about gossip? That's all in it because see, it's, 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 it's sin. And it's rebellion and it's treason. And to this day, treason is punishable by death. Now, we don't have the political backbone to do it anymore, but according to the books, the laws, those who commit treason die. And that's what God is saying here. Don't eat of that tree, but in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now, here's where it gets... I don't want to use the word tricky, but it did for God. And here's why. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. As I already said in the King James Version, it's the word enmity. To be proactively and constantly hostile towards someone. And this is the role that man has chosen to be, the rebel. In his sin, he's a rebel. He's a, tra- he's a traitor. God's already pronounced the judgment. The wages of sin, the Bible says, well, Pastor, I thought you were going to talk about love. I'm trying to help you understand how great his love is. Bear with me. It, it, ain't, it ain't low level, man. This is deep stuff. God's love is outstanding. No matter how filthy you are, how dirty you are, where you've been, his love still seeks you. You know, his, his, his love will follow you in places your mama wouldn't want to go. 
You understand what I'm saying here? But in order to understand how great his love is, we got to understand how deep our sin was. So when you consider that all men have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, the wages of sin for all sin is death. God himself pronounced it. So now God found himself in a dilemma because the man he created committing the sin he condemned. So what's a loving, just God to do? Listen to this. God's love wouldn't allow him to pronounce judgment. I'm going to say it again. God's love wouldn't allow him to pronounce judgment, but God's justice wouldn't allow him to deny judgment. He could not comply, but neither could he deny. So a just and loving God had something of a dilemma. Someone had to die, but he loved man so much, he couldn't let the object of his affection die. But he couldn't require an angel to die because an angel bore no responsibility. An angel could say, I didn't do it, and I didn't create him. So it would be unjust for God to require an angel to die in place of man. And his love simply wouldn't allow man to fulfill or run the entire path and die eternally without him. So God's love revealed only one option in the fullness of time. God became a man so that the man God had become could die for the man God had created. Because man was responsible for the sin, but God was responsible for the creation of man. So God stepped in to bear the punishment he had pronounced. No wonder John said, look at this great and amazing love. Now see here what you got to understand is if he loved you that much that he would die for you in that state, then tell me why now you think he'll withhold anything from you. If he would not withhold his very own son, why do you think he's going to withhold healing? Why do you think he would withhold provision? Why do you think he would withhold any good thing from you? See, this is the reason why you got to know that God loves you. Because in a time of lack, what you appeal to is what you trust in. And there's many people that when they're in a difficult time, they appeal to the fact that they're tithers. Well, Lord, you ought to do this because I've tithed faithfully for 21.2 years. Or in a time of sickness, they'll appeal to their sacrifice. Lord, I have cleaned the toilets in that church for 40 years. What you appeal to is what you trust in. Something greater than your tithing and something greater than your acts of sacrifice is the fact that God loves you. What you ought to appeal to in a time of testing is, I know that this shall not last forever because I am loved by God. God will heal me because he loves me. He'll provide for me because he loves me. God loves me, so he's always moving toward me. Wherever I am, God will find me. And when God finds me, it's all going to be okay because his love compels him to move toward me. Everyone say, I am loved by God. 
we ought to cement that into our soul that when we look in the mirror, we ought to just look in the mirror and say, that God loves that one right there. Right? Even, listen, even if we're not too sure God loves everyone else. Right? Like sometimes I'm not too sure God loves Cleve. I take it by faith. I ain't too sure God loves Steve. And if you knew Steve, you'd know why. But I know God loves Jimmy. Yes, sir. And see, I, then hear me, I'm not, I don't need to know God loves Steve because God loving Steve don't help my faith. Not when I'm in a battle, because there are times when I'm in a fight, Steve can't get to me. There's times when I'm in a battle, Cleve ain't around. I got to know that God loves me. I got to know it's not just a TV evangelist. It's not just the pastor of the mega church. It's me. God loves me. I ain't a nobody, but God loves this nobody right where I am. God loves me. And God is coming for me. God is looking for me. His eyes are roaming throughout the earth. And it's going to be okay. Why? Because God loves me. Hallelujah, Father. Go to 1 John chapter 3 again. And we'll get into the sermon. That was all the warm-up. I didn't start my clock because we had to deal with that other. We're going to read the same, chapter 3, verse 1. See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, bestowed on us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. Now Paul said almost the exact same thing in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. For God has proved, I'm reading this to you out of the, the, the Passion Translation. For God has proved His love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. And again in Romans chapter 8 or chapter 5 verse 8, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Never underestimate the greatness of God's love for you. Never underestimate it. It, it. It's the foundation of everything He does for you. You can bank on God's love. Listen to this. When your back is up against the wall, love is your appeal. That's what you appeal to. God, you love me. Go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Love never fails, so appeal to love. And your appeal never fail. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, speaking of Jesus, when he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless like wandering sheep without a shepherd. Now this word compassion is really an interesting word because the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, says it never was before. There, you see, there, there's aspects of the life of Christ that were so unique, they had to create words in order to communicate who this man was. They didn't exist before. right? You know the word agape. We, we throw them around because we hear them preach. But you know, in thousands of years before Jesus, they never had to use the word agape. 
because no one had that kind of love. Only when Jesus came, they said, this, is, this love is so high, so pure, so strong. None of these people fit it, so they had to coin a brand new word. And it's the same with compassion. They're, 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 no daddy had ever had compassion for his son the way Jesus had compassion for his people. No mother had ever had compassion for her daughter the way Jesus had compassion for her. You see, you've got to understand that when this ain't the same compassion. And what Charles Spurgeon said is that when Jesus was moved, with, when he saw the pain in the people, the disciples, the disciples saw physically a transformation because the pain spiritually was so deep that Charles Spurgeon said that they would have noted upon Jesus an actual contortion in his body as his spirit yearned to be with them in their pain. He couldn't stand over here as a philosopher untouched. He couldn't stand over holy man who couldn't sully himself but when he saw that they were weary and they were wounded like sheep without a shepherd his very soul the bowels of his being y'all following what i'm saying the some deep stuff man i ain't talking no superficial he's like i don't care what anyone says i'm gonna break all the rules i told you last week how he went and he sat at the well with a samaritan woman Jesus said, forget about the rules, forget about the decorum, forget about what shouldn't be. If they are in pain, I'm going to them. If they are hurting, I'm going to them. Don't you get between me and them because I'm going to make my way to where they are. And Charles Spurgeon said his body would have, it would have shown the yearning to be knit. The tears in his eyes betrayed the feeling of his heart and his face looked with such compassion. They said, we ain't never seen this before. And on any of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they may have said the same words, but they didn't have that look. And so the Holy Spirit had to team up with them and give them a brand new word that conveyed a very high level of compassion. And this was the compassion Jesus was moved with. Now, I'm going to give you some verses because here's what... Is this okay this morning? I want you to understand, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you think He stopped moving with compassion when He ascended on high? No, no He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same compassion that moved Him toward the weary then moves Him toward the weary now. See, sometimes we feel like we're failures if we're tired, if we're confused, if we have doubts. Because once again, the, 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 the philosophy of the Pharisee doesn't allow us to ever be weary. You're always supposed to put on a smile and pretend everything's okay. And we can never even admit to one another we're hurting. I can't tell you, Cleve, I need you to pray for me, man, because I'm just wore out. And so we go on, going on, pretending everything's okay until we die. This is the reason why we ought to assemble ourselves together and we need one another because I need to know there's someone in my life I can come to and just say, Cleve, I need you to pray for me, man. I feel like I'm ready to give it up and walk away. You want to be the pastor? Go for it. And I need him to give me reasons why to keep on keeping on. And you need it and I need it. We need it. We need one another. So it's not a sin to be weary. 
When you're you're wore out, you are a candidate for a miracle because He moves toward the weary. He moves toward those who are hurting. He moves toward those who have doubts. Oh, pastor, no, 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 our faith is always... Do you remember a guy named Doubting Thomas? Not faith-filled Thomas, Doubting Thomas. Jesus said, come here. Put your hands in the holes. He went to Thomas. He went to Peter. He's come to me. And he's coming to you. Because faith or love requires that he moves your way. Can I give you some verses? Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. So when Jesus landed, he had a, not on a a plane, y'all, a boat. He had a huge crowd waiting for him. Seeing so many people, his heart was deeply moved with compassion toward them. So he healed all the sick who were in the crowd. Why did he heal the sick? Because he was moved with compassion. See, listen, when you're sick, it's not about having perfect doctrine. When you're sick, it's not about being able to recite every single... I had a guy tell me one time, when you can recite every verse in the Bible about healing, you'll be healed. I thought, God, I'm going to die sick. I didn't know that was the requirement. And I'm a preacher of the book. I can't recite every verse that has to do... They always have such high standards, they don't even measure up to them. I should have said, can you recite them? It's not about being perfect. It's about being loved. He healed them, not because when he landed, they were all singing Hosanna and they were all reciting every Bible verse that ever had to do with healing. When he landed, he noticed that they were in pain and that they were weary. His compassion moved toward him, so he healed them. See, if we understand that when we're sick, I don't got to be perfect to be healed. I just need to be loved. And if I'm loved, I'll be healed. And he'll love me because he heals me. And he'll heal me because he loves me. And I quit trying to earn it. And I just receive it. Chapter 15, same book. Chapter 15, verse 32. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. So what did he do? He fed them. Why? Because he had compassion for them. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Mark chapter 1, verse 41, moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Jesus saw the pain in the widow who was on her way to bury her only son. And this is in Luke chapter 7, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. He felt compassion for her, so you know what he did? She's a widow woman. She's burying her only son. I don't record where she even, she had enough faith to pray. Am I saying don't pray? No, 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 don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying is don't rely on your perfection of performance to get God to move for you. Just understand, I may be imperfect. I may not have it all together, but I am loved just the same. Because if he loved me when I was a practicing sinner, now that I'm a stumbling saint, his love has not left me. 
He doesn't require of me perfection. He requires of me faith. And faith works by love. For I have come to know that God loves me and the understanding of this perfect love that God has for me has cast out all fear. I'm not unafraid because I'm so highly evolved. I'm unafraid because I'm so deeply loved. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. So he walked up to the casket, laid his hands on it, and raised her son from the dead. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. So he got up and came to his father. We preached on this last week. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. As one who never changes, still he looks upon our imperfections and our infirmities. Listen to this. Not with anger, not with loss of patience, but with gentleness and sympathy, he is moved with compassion. Everyone say incredible love. Incredible love. See, fear makes our faith weak. And if we're basing our, fear, our faith on performance, we're always afraid. Did I pray enough? Did I give enough? Did I serve enough? Did I do this enough? If it's performance-based, fear will always be the result. Because there's only one thing that casts out fear, and that's an understanding of love. And not only understanding it, but receiving it. Everyone say, I am. I am. Loved. Love. Of God. You see, if you, when you know that, and I mean you know it, where nothing, no, no Pharisee can shake it from you, no one, no self-righteous hypocrite can tell you you're not loved because you missed this or you didn't do that. When you know that you are loved not because of who you are, but because of who he is. I want to say that again. You are loved not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Now your faith is strong because there is no changing his love, so there's no changing his love moving toward me. Did you earn it? No, man, you don't know how much I unearned it, if that's even a word. I didn't deserve it, but he loved me. I didn't behave properly, but he loved me. I didn't pray as much as I should have, but he loved me. I didn't give all I should have gave, but he loved me. He loved me enough that he died for me. Behold this wondrous love. So now in every battle of life, what do I do? I look at this wondrous love. In every obstacle, every pain, every storm, I look at this wondrous love. Yes, sir. Hallelujah, Father. Yes, sir. One more verse and then we'll go. Look at that. I almost finished in time. Has this helped you this morning? Yes, Psalm 36, verse 7. Reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. Oh God, how extravagant is your cherishing love. All mankind can find a hiding place under the shadow of your wings. All may drink of the anointing from the abundance of your house. All may drink their fill from the delightful springs of Eden. To know you is to experience a, fl a flowing fountain Drinking in your life, springing up to satisfy. In your light, we receive the light of revelation. Lord, keep pouring out your unfailing love on those who are near you. Release more of your blessings to those 
who are loyal to you. Can you give me 30 seconds to read you one more verse? See, you can even lie from the pulpit. I said I was done, and I ain't, and I'm still loved. I didn't lie, I misspoke. Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2. This forever song I sing of the gentle love of God. Young and old alike will hear about your faithful, steadfast love, never failing. Here's my chorus. Your mercy grows through the ages. Your faithfulness is firm, rising up to the skies. In every day, we should have a song on our lips, singing of his unfailing love. Because, listen, as long as life and the devil can convince you that some reason, somehow, God disapproves of you, then your faith will always be shaky. And he'll always be trying to earn that which he died to give you freely. But when you know that you're loved, and the foundation of your, this love is not your behavior, but his person. Man, your faith will know no bounds. You'll be as bold as a lion. Invincible, invulnerable, unshakable. And you'll be able to defeat every enemy who dares come your way. Why? Because I know that I'm loved. And if he's for me, he's in me. And if he's in me, I win. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Father. Would you go ahead and stand to your...